0: Chapter Four of Gold Hunting in Alaska. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Sunbeard. Gold Hunting in Alaska by Joseph Grinnell. Chapter Four. July twenty three. Penelope Shipyards. The Helen is at last ready. Three of the boys have cut up several cords of wood into proper lengths for the boiler. I cannot help but mentioning the flowers again. New kinds appear every day without so much as sending up a leaf in advance. There are dandelions and purple asters and cream cups and bluebells and big daisies and buttercups and tall blue flowers like our garden hyacinths. There are acres of blue grass as smooth and green as if newly mown. Birds and bumblebees are abundant. I should like to collect more of these, but still have a hungry mob to feed. The boys are working hard at shifting the cargo and chopping wood and doing other things, and of course are hungry as bears. My work gives me some half-hours which I spend collecting. We have good stores. For supper tonight, my menu is baked navy beans, Boston baked beans, away up here at Kotzebue Sound. Cornbread, applesauce, fricasseed salmon eggs, fried salmon, duck stew, tea, etc. It will be appreciated to the last crumb by the Arctic Circle. The days are growing shorter. The sun now sets before 11 at night, leaving only a short semi-twilight. The doctor has just come in from a visit to the mission. He reports ships still arriving and prospectors having all sorts of luck. Flour is three dollars for fifty pounds. Liquor is being sold to the natives without stint. It is against the law, but what is law without force to back it? Dr. Sheldon Jackson is expected soon, and he is the man who will not be afraid to hunt out the rascals who are spoiling the natives. I am so nearly related to the American Indians myself that I naturally take sides with these natives. You know, I was born on the Kiowa, Comanche, and Wichita Reservation. When those Indians were savages, or nearly so, and I learned to love them before I could speak. Here and now is the old familiar story of the white man's abuse of the Redskins. It makes me indignant. We found these people confiding, generous, helpful, simple-hearted, without a shadow of treachery, except as they have learned from the whites, who are invading their homes and killing them as they will, with little or no excuse. Many of these gold hunters that I hear of have already done more harm in a few days than the missionaries can make up for in years. I could write the history in detail, but desist. It will never be all written or told. The natives are worked up to the last point of endurance and will surely kill the whites. Whiskey is doing its share of havoc, although a few of the faithful mission Indians are trying to keep the others quiet sunday july twenty four we are now waiting for the tide to take helen out of the creek the steam will soon be up july twenty nine dining tent we are still here and the rains have begun the helen made her trial trip and works well we have discovered that she cannot transport all our goods up the river so have delayed in order to build a barge it is two feet deep 10 feet wide and 18 feet long, with a capacity of 10 tons. August 1. The storm washed the sand up and locked the Helen into Penelope Inlet. The only thing to be done was to dig a channel and float her out. From 10 in the morning until 10 in the evening we worked. We had to pry her out as the tide kept failing. We could not have succeeded had it not been for some kind Indians who helped us. They are always ready to help when they see us in trouble. Of course, we treated them to a good supper, and they were happy. After steaming out to the Penelope, we started north around the peninsula to the inlet, arriving at about two in the morning after the hardest day's work we have had yet. Here at Mission Inlet, Dr. Coffin, Fancher, and myself are left with the camp outfit and a load of provisions. After three hours sleep, and a hot breakfast, the rest went back to the schooner with the Helen for another load and to bring the barge, which by this time should be finished. Soon after they left, yesterday, a stiff breeze sprang up and we were very anxious. The Helen is little better than a flat-bottomed scow and cannot stand much of a sea. An inlet near us is, we think, deep enough to float the Penelope, if we could get her in, and here she would be safe all winter. The missionaries tell us that no boat like her can stand the crushing ice in the open sea during the winter, and that this inlet is the only protected place for miles around. The mission and village are two miles west of us. There are four framed houses and a hundred tents. A Mr. Haynes of San Francisco took supper with us last night and gave us the shipping news. Men are left with nothing save the clothes on their backs. Others are drowned. Many are homesick. Rumor reaches us that gold has been found in the Kowak. But rumor is not to be relied upon when it is gold that sets it afloat. If there is gold on the Kowak, we shall find it. Our present care is to get our supplies up there in safety. But we are going at a slow pace. Six of our party are already up the river. Six are on the Helen, en route to the Penelope headquarters. Two are at the shipyards, and four are on the schooner. Dr. Coffin, Vancher, and myself are here at Mission Inlet. This accounts for all of us as at present divided. We expect the return of the Helen to-night. We three have been living high since the others left. For supper, with the help of our San Francisco visitor, we got away with three ptarmigan, two curlew, twelve flapjacks with syrup, stewed prunes, etc., after supper we went to sleep and did not wake until nine this morning, when we had ptarmigan, broth, fried mush, ham, and flapjacks. The other day we picked three quarts of salmon berries. They are very fine eating, something like blackberry in size and shape, but are red, like a raspberry, and grow flat on the ground like a strawberry vine. They seem a combination of the three. Two other kinds, inferior to salmon berries, also grow on the ground. We want to eat everything in sight. If there were rattlesnakes, I believe that I should cook them. I have broiled a good fat rattlesnake when hunting in the Sierras, and found it a dish for an epicure. That is, if the epicure happened not to see it until served. I put up nine bird skins this morning. They are two red poles, one Siberian yellow wagtail, three ptarmigan, one tree sparrow, and two curlew. I have put up seventy-five skins so far. I have also saved quite a number of insects, but these are scarce since the rain set in. Last night I heard the beautiful song of the fox-sparrow from a hill on the opposite side of the inlet. A raven, the first I have seen, flew high overhead with ominous croaks. Evil omen, say the natives. Mission Inlet August 5, 1898 the Helen has returned after her perilous trip. She had the barge in tow, and both were heavily loaded. It took ten hours to cover twelve miles, so rough was the sea. She ran aground twice, and the boys were indeed tired on their arrival. But they were wonderfully refreshed in a short time by flapjacks and bacon, which I served to them piping hot, after which they slept for eight hours. It has taken a good deal of hard work to get ready to make our start and a good storm is in order. Indian Tom is guide, and he knows everything about the river and country. He says, "Wind too much, bye-bye, by, right, and we take his advice. The Helen and the barge in tow are to carry two-thirds of the year's supply up the river, and the Helen will alone return for the rest. We cannot get the Penelope into the Mission Inlet as we hoped, Hence it has been decided to leave the captain and two men with her all winter. The provisions not needed this winter are stored on the schooner, and she will be anchored down in Esholtz Bay, in as sheltered a place as can be found, where she will freeze in. It looks dangerous, but it is our only alternative. It would not take much ice pressure to crush her, and then good-bye to our provisions. They will try lifting her by windlass and other means, and the captain shows his pluck in the emergency." pluck is what is needed in these arctic regions besides plenty of flapjacks jet and Fancher remain with the captain on the penelope they hope to shoot polar bear and have other winter sport but i guess they will have a monotonous time perhaps some of us will take a sledge journey down to them in winter dr coffin wise rivers and myself are to stay here until the helen returns for us and the remainder of the stuff i always volunteer to stay at camp when a person is wanted for in this way I get in some collecting. The rest don't see so much fun in staying at camp. It may be two weeks before the boat gets back, and outside of my camp duties I shall have considerable leisure for my favorite pastime. Doctor and I went out and got thirteen ducks, which made for a good meal for the crowd before they started. We also had a large mess of stewed salmon berries, which, though very tart, proved a most acceptable change from our dried fruit. Mission Inlet, August 9. The Helen left for the Coac yesterday, and the weather has been perfect, so we hope she has safely crossed Holtham Inlet. Until she returns, we four are to keep camp and finish up some work for the winter. We are becoming acquainted with the natives. Like those I knew in Dakota and the Indian Territory, they are very superstitious. They make us pass in front of a tent in which is a sick person, and if we are towing a boat passed along the beach... We must get into the water and row around the camp, so as not to walk past. Many of them are ill, and they lay it to the gold hunters, but it is really from exposure and following the whites around. The doctor has treated several, and if they recover he is all right. But if they die, it is his fault. Not so very unlike other folks. The doctor makes the natives pay for the medicine, as this, he says, is the better policy. He charged a salmon for some pills last night, and in another case, where more extended services were required, he charged a nickel and two salmon. He does not intend to infringe upon any existing fee bills in the States, but if any medicos thereabouts pine for a more profitable field, there is plenty of room at the Kotzebue Sound. Some of the prospectors who went up the river earlier are now returning broken-hearted and are going home. Mission Inlet August 11. The Helen came in last night with all safe aboard. They got about one hundred miles up the river and concluded it better to get us all up that far before going on. We expect to start tonight. Our folks met two of our first prospecting party, who reported going as far as Fort Cosmos, three hundred miles up the Coac, and who announced that place to be our best winter harbor. They had found some colors, but nothing definite as to gold. This will prove my last entry on the Kotzebue, but the winter's record will not be dull. I am thinking, by the time we thaw out in the spring of 1899, C. C. and the doctor, whose proclivities are well known to be of a semi-religious type, have a whole library of good books, such as Helpful Thoughts, The Greatest Thing in the World, Bible Commentaries, and so on, with which we may enliven the winter evening that knows no cock-crowing, However, we shall have games in lighter reading. I have now more than one hundred bird skins. Some of them are rare, such as Sabins gall, Point Barrow gall, etc. I believe I am the only one of the party who could get the smallest satisfaction out of a possible disappointment as to gold. End of Chapter Four.